0: the ADHD Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley.
1: And I'm your other host, Corey. And this is a podcast.
0: (laughs) Just trying on Peppy Podcaster, uh, see how it fits.
1: (laughs) This is my new podcast persona.
0: (laughs) We've got to add new noises to our voices. I don't know. That didn't work.
1: It's only episode six and we're already changing it up. Hope you like it.
0: Look, (laughs) i'm very tired today i didn't have enough sleep and i tried to take a nap i know it's only 9 30 a.m but i already took a nap that's how little sleep i had (laughs) and then i ordered portos because it was on delivery oh (laughs) and so when it got here i was so excited i like shoved my face and now i'm very full sick and tired
1: (laughs) cool good podcast energy
0: (laughs) i agree with you on that For this episode, we read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Corey uh, agreed to read this book because he said he was going to hate it. Corey, did you hate it?
1: Hate might be strong, (gasps) but not super strong. I think
0: he liked it a little bit.
1: No. Oh. I mean, look, as someone who has participated in creative endeavors myself... I am always hesitant to thoroughly shit on something that someone else has made and just be like, this sucks, and I hated it, and this is bad. But I didn't enjoy this book very much at all. It mostly annoyed me from front to back.
0: Front to back. I was hoping maybe the second half or something would get you because I was getting, I hate this book. Wow, I really hate this book, text messages at the beginning, but then you're like, maybe it'll get better, and I stopped Getting them. And I liked the second half better than the beginning, I guess. I don't know.
1: We haven't gotten into the spoiler section, but I almost was like, the second half where this thing happens, you liked that part better?
0: No, it's just like the story started or something. Like it really felt like a story was happening. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. We could we well, you know what? Why don't we start with our summaries, huh?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I think I wrote mine down this time.
0: I mean you have been, so and Surprise to you, you always forget that you wrote it down.
1: Oh, this time I actually didn't. <laughs> you didn't write it down. <laughs> um, three friends make a video game together, and uh, we track their friendship over the course of, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, the end.
0: <laughs> Corey, your summaries are so funny compared to mine. I need to like do less or something.
1: <laughs> or maybe I need to do more. I don't know.
0: I actually really love our distinct summary styles. They're very different, especially when I like look at them side by side. I feel like you always say something like, I don't know, or whatever. Okay, yeah, that was it. Period. <laughs> <laughs> and I've like written the back of the book, like it's my job and someone paid me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think you're doing a better job at podcast. That's fine. We'll just say no,
0: it. No, I do <laughs> not agree with that. No, we need the both of us. Or no one would listen. No one would listen to my stupid, succinct summaries. They want your fun, off-the-cuff summaries, Corey. You're the fun one.
1: (laughs) Is that it? I'm the fun one?
0: (laughs) I've just decided. Okay. All right. My summary. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is the story of two best friends who come together over trauma and games, a never-ending theme of their lifelong friendship. This story follows Sadie and Sam through adolescence into adulthood as they navigate their early success as video game designers the trials and tribulations of building a company together and even more trauma oh. would you say this book is about
1: trauma <sighs> yeah i guess i don't know i'm i'm like <laughs> i i don't know it annoyed me the whole time so i'm i'm like i don't know what this was about
0: <laughs> all right you know that's fair that's actually fair i will give you that do we, do we just, do we, should we get into it? Is there anything else that those who, I mean, we're not really selling it for anyone to just like stop and go read it now. If you'd like to hear a story about Friends, that's got probably a little bit too much exposition, goes on for too long, and is about video games also, which that part sometimes is nice.
1: Yeah. Sometimes the video game stuff was interesting. Probably my favorite part of the book was the weird video game section at the end
0: That was confusing, I'll say, for a moment. (laughs) Which is very funny
1: because I feel like I saw a bunch of people say that that was their least favorite part, like when I was looking for bad bad reviews of the book. Oh, I can't wait.
0: (laughs) I had once listened to a Hidden Brain episode about the gamification of life, and so I was reminded a lot of that in all the ways that they kind of gamified their lives and their experiences in and out of the game, and so I thought that was like, there's was some fun little tidbits about how that... Sure, went. yeah. I don't know. Anyways, all right.
1: Was Jane McGonigal on that Hidden Brain episode? I feel like she's the main major, like, gamify your life person. I forget the name of her book now.
0: It was a man. Oh, okay. And yeah, it was interesting. Like there, He was talking about how some big tech company, like, I don't know, Amazon or Apple or something, uh, did something where they opened up this like search for bugs or issues in the system and like the person that finds the most wins this prize and it was open to like everyone in the company and like someone in accounting won and so it's kind of one like gamifying this tedious task made people interested in trying it and giving people that wouldn't normally be doing something like that the opportunity to try it was beneficial too. I mean, we know we do better when we like gamify things. Like, if you can win for doing something, you're going to try harder. We know. <laughs>
1: Look, especially us, we need our tiny little dopamine hits.
0: Oh, 100%. Are you still playing your game?
1: The card game? Yeah. 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 Nice. Marvel Snap? Nice. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Gamification. I, that's just a game. That's just playing a game. I mean, that's just but, a game. I'm just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gamifying anything. I'm just playing a video same. game instead of doing whatever else I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Yeah. No, that reminds me too. There was I'm going to butcher this story because it's been forever since I've thought of it. But there was some sort of uh, like citizen science initiative that had to do with like protein strands and the way that they fold. And they made like an interface that was sort of video gamey that people could kind of mess around with. And I think it helped them kind of discover new things about protein strands. Uh, I'm aware that that story is uh, disturbingly lacking in details, but it was something like that.
0: Sure, but I, I got the point and you guys couldn't see me, but when Corey got to the end where it's like it made them discover more, I went like cocked my head like a dog that heard their name. I was like, oh, ah. interesting. <laughs> huh. <laughs> cool. It, it worked for me. I liked the story. <laughs> All right. Um, shall we uh, spoiler on three?
1: Yeah. Should we stop avoiding talking about this book? All yeah. right. One, two, two three. Spoiler. Spoiler.
0: <laughs> We're so good at that every time. All right, Corey, take it away.
1: Oh, the second half of the book where Marx is killed in an office shooting. Yeah. I was like, ugh.
0: I hated that. I thought that was annoying. I thought, why? Okay, this book has it all.
1: (laughs) What are your feelings about this book? Because I feel like we, we focused earlier on the fact that I don't like it.
0: I feel a bit torn on it. I saw a review and we were looking for the book that said like this this book could have easily been a hundred pages, uh, shorter. And I agree with that. I think it was way too long, too much exposition in unnecessary ways. We build out this like really detailed world of where they live. Like when they're in fucking, was it Boston or when they're in LA? Like we get all these details that are kind of unnecessary. Like some of it's fun, Like, I felt like I learned things about L.A. that maybe are true, maybe aren't. I don't know. But, like, I've seen a lot of those landmarks. I live in Koreatown. That part was interesting. But it's really unnecessary in building this story when we're not getting that much exposition about the characters themselves. Like, there's this whole thing throughout the book where Sam is an unlikable guy, but there is nothing earlier. Like, as an adult in the video game stuff, okay, he's a little stubborn. But there's nothing ever anywhere else that shows that he's unlikable for any reason
1: what sam is so fucking prickly and obnoxious i hate sam
0: okay but this is when he's like older video game guy like he is not that awful as a kid like even when he starts as a kid they're like he has no friends he's awful no one likes me older
1: video game guy is a total like bro out nerd douchebag. <laughs> Older Sam is exactly what happens to nerds who were shat on for their entire elementary school life. And they finally get like some money or they start working out or they get a sense of style. And all of a sudden they're a fucking asshole because they think they're cooler than everyone. And, and like no one was nice to them when they were kids. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. I'm just so <laughs> incredulous. Like I, Hated both versions of Sam. Like, at least when he's a kid, he's a kid. And you can be like, oh. I know, but
0: he's already talking like that as a kid. And I thought that was stupid. I'm like, we're not getting anything about you being an awful, annoying, Kid, like, we just know you like video games. We hear you're handsome from your fucking Sadie, who's has no friends but is beautiful. And even in college, has no friends but is beautiful. Like, sure. The one, like, in that in her major that is mostly men, she has no friends because she's a hot nerd. I don't think, I don't buy it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
0: <sighs> I just don't feel like the, they were very. At the beginning, we didn't get a lot in them. Like, like okay,
1: for example, they were
0: friends for, what, 14 months when they were children. How did they, six years later, f- find each other on a train station and, what, become instant best friends again? In real life, I mean, I know those were traumatic times for both of them. But, like, you wouldn't really care. You probably wouldn't, like, call out that person's name necessarily. And it wouldn't be like, nothing ever happened and let's pick back up. It's You were children and now you're in college. That's, like, a long break at that time. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. That they would be like everlasting, never-ending best friends. Like why did they take so long?
1: I don't know. I uh, yeah, I I mean, I at least I sort of buy that they had a strong connection because, you know, they bonded over, you know, spending a lot of trauma. time. Trauma. Yeah, trauma. And her spending a lot of time with him at the hospital.
0: Yeah, that definitely gives it more. That's that's for sure. I agree. I just I don't know. It just felt like That to me
1: seemed weird how they described
0: coming back together and how like, because I'm like, you weren't even like friends that fucking long.
1: I don't know. When you're you're 10, though, a year is like fully a 10th of your life or 11 or 12 or whatever they were like.
0: Okay, but now they're like 18 and they're like, oh, wow, I've always been in love with Sadie Green, but I never said anything to her after we just didn't talk again because I was mad at her over something stupid like they could have made up sooner. I mean, that's not how life works. But I just, I'm just saying, I didn't quite buy that. I didn't like that.
1: I mean, I didn't buy anything in this book, so I don't know why I'm arguing with you about this.
0: I mean, it's a made-up story, so.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The whole theme of the entire podcast. All stories are made up. (laughs)
0: uh marx is my favorite character he's great obviously they make him the perfect guy so they can just kill him off later
1: (laughs) right i was gonna say like on the one hand yeah like he's great because he was designed to be completely flawless and (laughs) like a a weird you know blameless mediator between all of the tension between everybody else so that then of course he gets killed at the end or you know two-thirds of the way through the book
0: Oh, I just like, yeah, that was dumb. I mean, honestly, like, as far as inclusion and diversity, this book really, like, had a checklist and they hit them all. And I guess, like, life is like that. That's great. That was great. I, I, you know, I felt like there was definitely some very personal experiences drawn from. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of sense of, like, part in multiple places, not fully belonging. and
1: Right. Actually, I am in an Asian American literature class right now, I just started this semester and so oh cool. yeah, no, which is cool. Are you gonna
0: talk about this book?
1: <laughs> no, not this book specifically, although that you know we have some assignments that are outside projects that I now that I I hadn't made the connection at all for some reason. um and I'm like, oh right, I should probably uh, do one of my <laughs> do one of my assignments on this book. This is heavily about Asian American culture.
0: Yeah, I think that the portrayal of Sam's disability and amputation and what that felt like felt pretty detailed and realistic. Not that I have experience with that. But I think that part of it was really cool to include those those things like the go slim stuff like I didn't ever really quite understand it the way that they described it in the book. I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that was interesting.
0: You had to talk to someone, right? You had to talk to someone who's experienced this to like write that book about it or write that character like that.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty well portrayed as far as I know, having never experienced any of those things. Right. There was something about it, especially at the beginning where I felt very much like I'm trying to remember the text I sent you.
0: You hated that the ki- like kids are talking like adults. I don't know if that's where you're going right now, but...
1: No, there's definitely a lot of that, too. No, it just felt like it was so, like, kind of quaint and twee, and, it like, it felt uh, like like Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson wrote a book about nerds.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It It was, I guess it was hard for me to buy into it, maybe. But I did find myself, like, wanting to read it. I don't know, but also was not quite, like, immersed in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was sort of, like, pulled along enough that I was like, yeah, I guess I am, like, curious in the way that this story wraps up.
0: Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed the, like, simultaneous timelines. I think they that was done well because... That can get tricky. And I understood kind of where we were in time every time. Right. And I didn't feel like I had to like go back and remember something because they're showing it to you a bit one after the other side by side. Like, I don't know. I just never felt like lost in time or forgetting a history about them. Like we're getting it all kind of when you need to get it.
1: Yeah. I do think that that all tracked. Yeah. I guess.
0: I really hated Dove. Like
1: from the (laughs) jump. I hated Dove.
0: And every character had to be, like, a character. Uh,
1: (laughs) I mean, he was the worst. Like, uh, I understand that those things happen, that, like, professors cross the line and have relationships with students. But it was just, like, it made him unlikable. I mean, uh, unlikable. I mean, Dove sucks. Yeah. Made Sadie sort of, like... And I get it. There's like a power imbalance and it's maybe like interesting and cool when someone older is interested in you. But you were just sort of like, what are you doing? You seem so dumb for going along with this.
0: Well, the minute that she's like enters his class and they describe uh, the teacher like from Sadie's perspective, it's like he's this, he's that, he's this, he's sexy. And I was like, oh, God, not the teacher, student. And then sure enough, like. Not that long after their first encounter, he makes her feel good. And I thought, you know, like, it was pretty gross. But I guess it had to happen because this kind of built Sadie into her character. It makes her his ultimate student. It shaped her views on games. It gave her the dark space for Sam to help her out of, which was really what rekindled their friendship and her enthusiasm for games. I guess. At some point in the book, they point out that Dove was 30 when he was teaching that class. And also, like, as I'm looking at the timeline, like Sadie and Sam and Marks produce this killer game at like twenty-two or something. Like they're twenty-five and have a couple games and unfair games, their video game company under their belts. Like what? I'm way older than all of that. <sighs> and like all of those accomplishments. What?
1: <laughs> I mean it happens. For sure. For sure it happens. Yeah. And I guess, you know, stories about people who accomplish exceptional things, I suppose, are, you know, as interesting as, you know, quote unquote normal people.
0: They've got to. This is a book. You can't it can just like be boring. It's like it's got to have a story. And the story is that they were exceptional accomplishments of two nerd friends.
1: Yep. <sighs> I just like I I so fundamentally did not like Sam.
0: I felt kind of bad for him. I felt like Sadie sometimes was a little self-centered and like he obviously didn't stand up for himself or share his feelings. But like as the reader, you knew that he was like going through something. But then all we get is like Sadie freaking out and being mean to him. And he's not like, ouch, I'm in pain. I can't come. He's just like, I'm not coming, which is annoying. Right. But then I'm just like. Can somebody be nice to the guy?
1: Yeah, fundamentally, this is a story about two people who refuse to communicate directly with each other and the ways that that fucks them over.
0: Are they even friends?
1: <laughs> yeah, the, there's that the whole time. I'm just like, are you guys even friends? What the fuck are you doing? I mean, Marks is basically enabling Sam to be a piece of shit by like helping him when he is refusing help, right? I mean, yeah. in some ways, Marks is helping him in like kind ways. But then in other ways, Marx is sort of like papering over all of the cracks in Sam's like inability to be a person now that Sam has sort of like weaponized his trauma to like make people feel bad for him.
0: I mean, do you think he did that? I don't think he ever like tried to get people to feel bad for him. He never told anyone what was going on. He just was like
1: trauma boy in the corner brooding. Okay, I guess weaponized is the wrong word, but I feel like he came across as the kind of person who something terrible happened to them, which obviously is terrible. I'm trying to tread lightly here. Like something terrible happened to him, but then he sort of like made that kind of, he internalized that as kind of his like whole deal. I don't know. Like,
0: But like it, he tried to not make it his deal all the time.
1: Maybe you're right. I don't know. There's just, I just like, Sam drove me crazy the whole time.
0: Yeah, there was a lot. And I mean, this is the thing is I'm reading this and I'm like, damn, that's a lot of trauma. That's a lot of this. There's a little bit. They're head- hitting everything like this is kind of going into it. And then I guess I realized like this is some people's life. They have trauma after trauma. Things happen sure. that you can't help. And I guess this was a story about one version of that. Right. Yeah. So there's some fun things. Did you know that dysentery was essentially diarrhea before this book?
1: Um, I feel like at one point I mostly knew that, but I haven't, hadn't thought of it in a million years.
0: I assume the same. And when they were getting into that and then talking about how it's diarrhea, I was like, huh, Google? Huh. <laughs> okay. Well, they, Oregon Trail had us fooled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can die if you're on the Oregon Trail with no resources. That makes sense.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure tons of people died on the Oregon Trail for real.
0: From diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How about those secret freeways in L.A.? I can't find them. I think they're fake. What do you think? Have you ever heard of this?
1: Uh, I haven't heard of it. I guess I wouldn't be surprised to hear that that is a real urban legend that exists in Los Angeles that I've just never heard of. Yeah. But I don't think they are actually real. I think they might be real as a story. Like that might be a story that exists outside of this book that I just haven't heard. But I definitely haven't heard it.
0: I did find that there are like abandoned speakeasy tunnels or something, which that I think I did know.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Anyways, if there was a secret food and I could get across town as fast as that rich kid, ooh. I would love that.
1: Yeah, that would be great. What is the deal with the tunnels in Seattle? Like there's a whole like underground network in Seattle, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's
1: right. That has something to do with... Ghosts. Sure, let's say ghosts. It is a plot point in Malignant, isn't it? (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it. That was the last time I was reminded that those exist was when it came up in Malignant.
0: I haven't watched Malignant, but I've heard about it and the twist was described to me and I want to watch it because it sounds absolutely batshit crazy.
1: It's insane. It's great.
0: I want to see the thing.
1: It's great. It's like fun in the same way that Megan is fun, which I know you saw recently.
0: I did see Megan. It was very fun. I agree. I laughed a lot for a horror. Yeah. Air quotes. You guys can't see. Um, no. So in Seattle, there are underground tunnels and they do them as like a ghost tour, which is why I said that, because I've done the like underground ghost tour, but I don't actually I was in high school. And if you know anything about this podcast, you know that I have ADHD. I didn't know I had that in high school, but you can bet that I wasn't paying attention to shit. And I was just out there trying to like socialize with my friends. We had to like do do that tour, did another tour. Then we got to roam around Seattle for hours before going to see like finding nemo on ice and they were like stay in this certain block radius and we're like
1: okay what is finding nemo on ice
0: I mean, I uh, during that small amount of time, my friend had a fake ID, and so we got drunk. And so I'm not exactly sure, but it was Finding Nemo, but on ice, like, you know, ice skating.
1: I mean, I guess I'm uh, well aware of what (laughs) ice skating shows for children are. I don't know why I asked that question as if, like, this was a a total surprise to me. (laughs) I've been to Disney on Ice. I'm sure this was just that year's iteration of Disney on Ice.
0: Yep, exactly that.
1: By the way, uh, when Bob was little, I took him to, I think it was called Marvel Universe Live. My
0: God. And it was
1: one of the best things we've ever done. It was basically like a combination stunt show and circus performance, all with Marvel characters. And he was probably like five at the time, and he lost his mind.
0: I would love to go as an adult. So this was more circus, not on ice. Have you been to the circus, like, as a grown-up?
1: No. I haven't been to, like, the circus circus.
0: I went in, like, my early 20s, I think, and they sell so many light-up toys, and I, as a young adult, was still like, I need to get the flashy, shiny wand, like, I need the light-up things. They have so many light-up toys that, like, spin around and light up, and everything was sparkling everywhere, and, oh, a guy fell from high. What? And it looked really bad. We thought he died and we, the ambulances came and took him, um, but he broke his ankle. He was fine, I guess. I, I don't know if that's just what they told us, but it looked bad.
1: That's wild.
0: It was wild. You don't think that really happens. I mean, you fear it every time, but.
1: It feels like it feels like that's the whole point of those shows is you're supposed to be afraid the entire time that that might happen, but but it never does. <laughs> so it's weird when it actually does happen.
0: It was really weird. Um, Speaking of clowns, because the circus clown arena, I just have to tell you that I thought they were saying clown arena, like an arena for a long time until I like, I don't know when it clicked. It's the clown ballerina, clown arena, right? Clown arena. Also, that is like a, what is it? CVS now. So it's really funny that she lives in the clown arena building, which maybe there are apartments around it, but it's a CVS.
1: It's in Santa Monica, kinda. Or is it in is it Venice Beach? It's
0: like in the middle off of like Rose and Maine or something. My office used to be right over there. Right. So I was very familiar with Clown Arena.
1: <laughs> I'm totally familiar with the happy foot, sad foot sign.
0: o Sappho, or how'd they call it?
1: Yeah, Half O Sappho, I think is yeah.
0: I've never heard of that before, but I do see the sign. I don't know if I ever noticed one side was sad and one was happy. And that there was any kind of like, you're going to have a bad day if you see.
1: Oh, no, I've definitely heard all of that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real.
0: Cool. I love Hafo o
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not, I don't think it's real in the sense that uh, you'll actually have bad luck if you see the sad foot first, but that is <laughs> definitely a thing that people say.
0: A real uh, Angelina's
1: superstition. Yes, correct.
0: Uh, yeah, I think maybe those were my favorite parts where the parts about L.A. <laughs> in the 90s. The
1: parts about L.A. that I've also read in like other books and <laughs> seen other places. Sure. Yeah. Those parts were fine.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, OK. I wrote about when Sadie was discussing like licking your wounds and then was like, why do we say that? That's gross. Like licking your wounds will just cause more bacteria to get in them, whatever. And I was like, yeah, that is a dumb saying. And then she said, but Sadie knew you could get addicted to the taste of your own carnage.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Stuff like that was exactly like what made me roll my eyes at this book all the time. I wanted to keep better track of quotes like that, but I was just like, you know, listening to it while I was doing the laundry or whatever. And I was so annoyed that I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to fucking take notes.
0: There are a lot of analogies, yeah.
1: I don't remember the language she used to describe it, but like the time when Sam like programmed so hard his fingers bled, I was just like, "Oh, who fucking cares? <laughs> Fuck this nerd."
0: Yeah, it was something like at I don't know, maybe at the funeral or something his like weathered thumbs or or torn up something like fucking yeah oh yeah when they like weren't sleeping just to make their game which I mean they're probably millionaires honestly but um we never really talk about the wealth right
1: they I mean they sort of talk about them having more money and you know in the abstract but yeah they never there's never really numbers to it at all
0: They do way at the end when they're rich now do a like description of them now. And I realize that they like never (laughs) describe them like they do at the beginning a little bit. But we never like get a sense for what kind of people they even are. Like we get a lot about their surroundings, but not necessarily them. So I think at some point it mentioned Sadie has like reddish hair. And I was like, huh. That's weird. And then like what they're wearing when it when, you know, when Sam's the like douchey gamer hipster bro with success and he's wearing all this like really cliche hipster stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just describing both of their outfits. It was like weird. I don't we got like two descriptions, the whole book of what they would possibly wear. I have no idea what I'm picturing. I think I don't see faces or I don't see anything when I think of these characters. So like stuck out to me when they were being described later on because we haven't heard about them for like 20 years in that way
1: right yeah i'm thinking back to two minutes ago when i so aggressively was like fuck this nerd (laughs) which makes me sound like such a jockey dipshit and i'm like (laughs) i was such a huge nerd when i was a kid like i don't know maybe maybe that's why i hate sam maybe it's just like personal self-loathing where i'm like oh nerds yuck
0: yeah guys don't be confused uh, I mean, I wish I was like really nerdy and into something as a kid that like did me good later, but I never like liked anything that much for that long. <laughs> Wonder why.
1: <laughs> hmm. I just became weirdly fixated on like music and worked in a music store and then became a DJ for a hot second.
0: Different type of nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be like cool nerd with your white rimmed glasses.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I don't know. I just w- wanted to talk all the time. So just very social. Never really focused on anything specific. Just blah, blah, blah. Ashley's kicked out of class again for talking too much. <laughs> what a surprise.
1: I would just dissociate in the middle of class.
0: Oh, my God. I got kicked out with, like, everyone, anyone. I was just always kicked out. There was a girl named Cloud in one of my classes in high school. Uh-huh. And she was like, uh, you know, she did the thing where she was, like, purposely shocking and weird. Like, she was trying to get a reaction. Right. And she always had, like, the really tall, gelled mohawk and was just out there. And first day of class, she's like, yeah, I had to dump my boyfriend because his penis was too big. And this is the conversation. And she's just always, and I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. And the amount of times I got kicked out of class with Cloud into the hallway and had to, like, listen to her talk about her shocking, weird stuff more...
1: You got front row seats to the cloud show after you guys were kicked out of class. This is amazing.
0: Uh, Yeah, like she sat by me and then she would be like talking to me and I'd be like, don't talk back because I don't like I don't want to hear about your boyfriend's big dick. But lo and behold, I would get kicked out.
1: (laughs) This is a sincere question. What is it about? Because there's a way in which people share stuff like that that is genuine and interesting and makes them an interesting person, right? Like maybe not like I had to break up with my boyfriend because of his huge dick. (laughs) But there is a way where there are people who are like genuinely weird and share the ways in which they're weird and it makes them charming. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that are like aggressively weird like that. And you're like, stop trying so hard. And it's one of those like, I know it when I see it, but I don't know if I could explain to you what the difference is.
0: The difference is uh, trying too hard. I don't know. I always feel like I have a sixth sense for when people are like trying too hard and it drives me bananas. Like I can't live when someone's like being fake and trying to be like impressive. And this was someone just one is marching at the beat of her own drums, but also wanting to like shock you. So now it's just kind of like annoying. Like I don't care who you are. I will talk to anyone, friends with anyone. I don't give a shit. But like stop trying to like shock me into listening to you speak about weird stuff all the time.
1: Right, right. No, Cloud had decided that since nobody liked her, she was going to make people not like her on her own terms, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it probably started well before high school. And I'm sure she's lovely. And I have no idea what she's doing now, who she even is. Like, no no clue.
1: We need a Cloud update.
0: I know. I don't even remember her, like, real name because she wouldn't. (laughs) Because... She wouldn't tell us, but she was a character. That's for sure. And I fell into it because I would get kicked out of class with her, which is weird that my teacher would be like, both of you in the hall. And then what? We just continue our conversations in the hall. Like, okay, doesn't seem so bad.
1: Right. Sure. And I'm sure from the teacher's perspective, uh, they don't care. You guys are disrupting everyone else. So if you're going to have your conversation, (laughs) it, it can at least be away from the class.
0: Yeah, I somehow did graduate high school, but
1: (laughs) well, done. you
0: know, side, side, sidebar, because where in the world are we right now? Um, In middle school, again, talking all the time. I had a really weird art teacher like he was the guy in our middle school that told everybody he was like abducted by aliens or so I heard. Yes. He never said that in front of my class, but the stories were that he had told people that and he was just like out there and weird. Um, so, you know, the teacher that's been abducted by aliens or so everyone thinks also, by the way, if you're a teacher and you just want to be the weird one, you could just say shit like that. And the kids will (laughs) never know and just be like the quirky teacher. Right. Uh, but anyways, you know, me chit chat chatty Kathy. Uh, and he was like, you know what? Ashley, like when you get to high school, you should take theater class and then you can get on stage and talk all you want. And I was like, I want to be an actress. And so then he um, would make me like read all the announcements. And <laughs> anytime there was something that needed to be like read out loud, he'd be like, Ashley. And then we had like a morning news. And he was like, Are you going to be on the morning news? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be on it on Monday. I butchered it, just laughed the whole time. And he was like, oh, such great comedy. You're so funny. (laughs) Um, But I was thinking he would be happy to know that now I am talking all day or whatever for an hour. Uh, All the
1: time, straight into a microphone. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Straight into a microphone about whatever I want because it's my choice and yours.
1: What was I thinking? (laughs) Oh, no, I totally lost it. It was when you were talking about the cool art teacher... Nope, it's gone.
0: Alien abductions.
1: Yes. (laughs) So I am, just from being generally a strange person interested in strange things, I'm on probably too many email lists. And I got an email yesterday for, I think it's called Contact in the Desert. And it's some big like alien abduction conference. Oh. Although it doesn't explicitly say alien abduction. Like it took me a long time to figure out what it was for because I'm also on, you know, like psychedelic integration therapy, email list and so I was like is this that is this like a
0: mother earth contact
1: (laughs) yeah 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 is this is this is this hippy dippy or is this aliens or what is this thing and finally like the key word the word that I found that finally like cracked it for me is that it referred to experiencers which is definitely secret code for (laughs) alien abduction people so are you gonna go (laughs) I kind of want to but also you know it's like out in the middle of like Indian Wells and, it, you know, it's like five days and would probably cost me like $2,000 out of pocket. Look, if we want to uh-huh. get a, a Patreon started ASAP and our listeners want to hear <laughs> so me. So
0: Corey can go to Contact in the so Desert. That I can go
1: to Contact in the Desert and make <laughs> podcast content for everyone to listen to. Then look, I'm all about it, but I cannot justify personally out of my own morbid curiosity going to an experiencer conference
0: do you have to be an experiencer to go no cool okay you know what we should read a book written by an experiencer personal account
1: (sighs) okay yes
0: we'll have to look into this um i don't but we should do that at some
1: point Okay. Every once in a while, I will buy books that I find like at used bookstores or thrift stores that are just like kind of like weird old books. They're like a couple dollars, right? Like, because generally I'm like, I'm into the aesthetics of what this book is and it's not necessarily about the content of it, but there's this one book that I love um, and by that I mean... I love the way it looks on my shelf. I have not read it. I probably won't read it, but it's called We Are Not Alone. And I think it's from, like, the 50s or 60s. And it's uh, by, I want to say William Sullivan. Let's just say it's William Sullivan. But the cover is just, like, this blue cover with, like, a black silhouette of, like, one of the big, like, radio telescopes, like, in Contact. And it just says, like, we are not alone in big block white letters on the cover. And I'm like, this book is the best. This is the greatest book that's ever been created. I don't even care what it says inside. Like, I love how it looks. I love that it exists.
0: I love that. So I used to live in Portland, Oregon. So I used to go to Powell's bookstore, which is amazing. Have you been?
1: Yes. It's been, gosh, probably like 10 years or more. But yes.
0: It's incredible. My favorite thing is when I find a book that has somebody's, like, notes in it or, yes. like, a note to someone. But specifically, I like when they've written their own notes in the side. Um, but anytime there's writing in the book, I'm like, I have to buy it. I just need to know what they've written.
1: Yes. I I love that. And I also love, like, people's weird bookmarks that you'll find in used books. Mm-hmm. I sometimes will buy stuff online, like, from thrift books and mm. It'll show up and I'll like flip through it and it's got like some weird old bookmark or like a receipt or uh, like, yeah. and you're just sort of like, it, it's just a, so like weird, super tiny window into someone else's life. And you're like, oh, a receipt for, uh, an entire box of chocolate bars or whatever the fuck it is like you're just yeah. sort of I don't know what that why that was my specific that's a terrible specific
0: well, It's like when you're at the grocery store and there you're looking at the person and what they're buying and trying to figure out what they're doing it's like a yes. version of that
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and you're just sort of like huh I wonder what this person in 1995 was doing with their life
0: right when
1: they were reading this book and eating an entire box of chocolate bars
0: good for them that you know must have been a hard time
1: (laughs) yeah it does sound pretty good now that i think about it
0: um oh my god i don't know where we are right now we're in outer space so the book (laughs) that we read The the book that we read so okay marx dies that's awful the NPC analogy was really good, though. I think that was kind of what they, like, led into kind of getting into Mark's stuff was that he's kind of an NPC, and then they use it again in that scene, I think. But the bird stuff when Mark's died, what do you think of that? Was he... He was dying. He's a bird. I
1: kind of liked it. I don't know. I don't remember that. Like, I, it, it, like, apparently did not... Like, I kind of, like, sort of know what you're talking about, and also I'm like, uh, mm... Did he turn into what? He turned into a bird. I forgot.
0: I think he was dying. And but you don't know that. And so they go into like the bird scene where he's like, it's like a game.
1: Oh, because it was about it was about the it was like it connected up with that fabric pattern.
0: Yeah, the fabric,
1: the bird and the strawberries. And I don't know that his mom loves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we knew it was going to happen from the beginning. He knew he was... Not from the beginning. From the beginning of that exchange, like, someone's in the lobby. Oh, Marx has called a bunch of times. Like, someone was going to die. I already knew this was going to happen. I didn't like that, but I guess he had to go. That was what we're building for.
1: Yeah, I guess. And then, yeah, I mostly liked the weird abstract video game part. Like, to me, it was very clear what was going on.
0: Yeah, I think I was a little confused at first because... Like one, I knew it was Sadie, obviously, Emily Blaster Marks, like hello, Emily B Marks. Right. Okay, to be honest, I just got what the B stood for because I knew that Emily was from her game, Emily Dickens Blaster, and then just was saying it out loud and realized the B is for Blaster.
1: (laughs) Emily Blaster Marks.
0: When I finished the book yesterday, I was like, what is the B? It's like Sadie Green, like Naomi Watanabe Green. No, this is not – nothing matches. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Emily Blaster Marks. Emily
1: Blaster Marks.
0: Um, Real life realization. but So, like, I knew that, but I was – like, I figured it was a game, but it was so detailed and, like, the gameplay was so intense that I was like, is it a game? Like – it just felt weird. But also, I haven't played a game even remotely similar since like the fucking Sims, which can't talk to each other. It's not like a VR world, which is what they built out here. Obviously, Sam was going to be one of those people. I th- I thought it was. Well, he was both, I guess. So it didn't really matter.
1: Right. I can't remember the name of her wife. In my mind, it was like Dr. Dr. Doreen.
0: Daedalus or something.
1: Oh, yeah. Daedalus. Dr. Daedalus. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and like, okay. Everything we know about Sadie Green, the brilliant Sadie Green, my brilliant Sadie Green, whatever Dove always called her, bright yeah. girl, bright one, bright one, whatever the fuck. Uh, Sadie Green is very intelligent. Did it really take her that long to figure out that it was Sam? I mean, I don't know what the scale the time is, but I think she was playing that for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they kind of allude to the fact later on that she, like knew or subconsciously knew or sort of like knew but didn't allow herself to know or you know I don't know which sort of I guess feels like a cop-out but
0: yeah and I feel like Sam would have let something bigger slip faster I mean I guess they allude to that too like he cut off his hand or whatever even though they're not uh, I don't think that's supposed to happen in the game but whatever not that I know how that game works, but it's like no one dies. You come back like you're just like stuck.
1: This totally made up game.
0: Yeah, exactly. I did, I guess, like the part with the NPC at the Tamer of Horses or whatever. That was I think it had a different name. Right. It was uh, the ode to Marks was nice and cute. I think that made me a little emotional because I was like, No, oh, I'm so sad they killed Marks.
1: Yeah, he was born to die.
0: He was born to die. And I don't really think this was like a... Missed lovers, type story. I don't know if somewhere it may it was made to seem like that for me, but I just don't feel like Sadie and Sam were supposed to be together. And I really like that they kept it no romance. Like I guess I I kind of do think that the portrayal of their friendship over the years is pretty accurate, especially for two people with that kind of history. And also then when they bring their work into it, they're pretty human characters. Just
1: I guess what I didn't like about that was that I feel like they. <sighs> didn't really keep it no romance. Like it felt like from Sam's end, he was sort of like yes. in love with her and didn't say anything or like kind of fixated on her. Like he was weird about Marks yeah. dating her. And I feel like it was sort of neither fish nor foul. That wasn't like they've, they were friends. They've always been friends.
0: I guess what I mean maybe is that I'm glad it didn't end with some, like, romantic reconciliation. Like, we've waited all these years to finally be together. It's like they both understand that, like, that wasn't for them. But when they were younger, maybe they had wondered. He had wondered. And, you know, it's it's uh the message is, I guess, true that, what do they say? It's harder to find someone that you can make games with.
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: Harder to find someone you can work with or have that kind of friendship with than to, like, love I don't know Thought it was an interesting perspective I guess on friendship and I mean they were very human characters way too much exposition but I think it was kind of like a, a friendship story from top to bottom it wasn't really like overly romantic at all right I don't know I mean uh, I don't know
1: I don't know uh, like were they even good friends like they were so shitty to each other on different occasions
0: so many occasions but I do also feel like That can be a very classic long term friendship, especially when you work closely and passionately like that, like over something you're so passionate about. It doesn't have to be like that. But like, I mean, their relationship was way more like sibling based. Yeah. But, you know, they couldn't just stop being friends. They had built this company together so that even when they were mad at each other, they had to like figure it out. Yeah. But again, I don't think that their first year friendship was enough for Sam to suddenly show up at her house nonstop because she's sad after many years of not speaking. That's so weird. Right. Think about it.
1: At the same time, she pulled him out of himself when he was depressed when he was a kid.
0: Well, I know. He was paying it back. It was very nice.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: You know, there's just something missing. I say that every time.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: It was a great story about Los Angeles.
1: (laughs) I loved the parts about Los Angeles.
0: That was fun. I live in Koreatown. I want to go to Bong and Dong's Pizza.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you've been to, like, a Korean pizza place, right?
0: I've been to K-Town Pizza, but I was confused about how the crust can be made out of a million different things. Is that like?
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like the sweet potato crust. And
0: we just got the regular one because we were confused. And then we were like, I think we did the wrong Mm. thing. (laughs) And it was like too many things on too many things. Like every pizza had like 15 toppings. That's just too much things.
1: I don't know. It sounds good to me.
0: But I'll give it another go and try the proper crust. But like everyone's like, oh, the golden one. And I was like, what is this? And it's like cheese stuffed potato. And I was like, I don't think I need a heart attack today.
1: I don't know. That sounds very good. I think you're missing out. I think you blew it.
0: I just ate a cheese stuffed potato because I got delivery portos. So I got some potato balls.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. Could
0: <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that as a crust? That would be pretty delicious. All right.
1: Yeah, it would be great. I can imagine it and it would be great. Anyway, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <sighs>
0: what you what's your rating <laughs>
1: this is like a two maybe on a good day for me <laughs> this book annoyed me
0: damn that's pretty low i just like to be honest i had such a hard time rating it i've been like waffling on this because there are I'll, like we've i guess spoken negatively about this book but there are a lot of great things it is super inclusive um, which is great. It's representing a bunch of groups of people that aren't often represented. Also for a book that's gone, I think it's like what a New York Times bestseller or something. It's like a pretty like mainstream popular book. So you're getting all of this like inclusive storytelling. So that's that's huge. Um, there were some great, you know, descriptions of things. It was well-written. I liked the timeline. I think you could be like, technically... In this case, this could be a higher score, but like the story, it was just like yeah, it was kind of like beating a dead horse or whatever. Sometimes like the same thing over and over again, and too much exposition, too much description, too much into the city of Los Angeles than sometimes the own the characters and some of yeah the behaviors were annoying and tropey and cliche and the video game descriptions were really cool. I assume. Or I, I would assume that the author is a gamer because there was such a deep appreciation for video games that it made me want to like pick up a video game. And honestly, watching The Last of Us, I really I just want to play that game now.
1: <laughs>
0: I want to go into that story. like You want to
1: fight fungus people?
0: Well, I haven't like myself played one of those like interactive story RPG type games like I had an ex who was super into gaming there was one like western one he really loved
1: Red Dead Redemption
0: probably is that a good one yeah I didn't realize that games could be like that so learning that it's like an interactive movie in a way I thought like that's really cool that's way cooler than how everybody like pictures a gamer yeah and I think that this did a good job of showing the like positive side of a gamer and also taking away from like Everyone thinks video games are shooters. There was barely any shooting games. They specifically didn't make shooter games. We had a shooter game in the book, (laughs) technically, uh, over something gross. So those things, like, I appreciate all of that. But yeah, then there's, of course, the cliches. I don't know. I landed on 4.9, and I waffle. That's high. I know. Yeah,
1: that's high for us.
0: That's, like, I think my lowest score. Oh, really? Oh, no, the troop 4.5. I don't know like I was trying to compare it to some of our other books I was actually looking at my ratings to be like How, what do I do here because I don't think it's that I don't think it's like that bad I don't know if I could I would recommend it necessarily unless you're like into gaming and trauma but I don't know I'm just yeah this one's got me really torn I think I'm just gonna land on 4.9 so that I stop talking about it
1: all right fair enough
0: but does that seem high do we like like the troop more I don't know
1: I don't I look your your rating has nothing to do with me, man,
0: but tell me what we like. <laughs> <laughs> I really am so torn on how to rate this. I just can't decide because I I found myself like rolling my eyes a lot, but also being interested in like listening to the book more. Right. Like I was it's like I couldn't quite put it down like I did. But like some of them I will like forget for days and be like, oh, shoot. And other times I'm like, I need to listen to this all the way through <sighs> right now. Right. And this one, I was like, yeah, I want to listen to it. This sounds like what I'd like to listen to. I did get a little emotional. Like, the Mark stuff was sad, and how they how they went about that was interesting. Then I still thought about it a little after I was finished reading it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so I think i have just, like, I'm just mixed on it. Like, I don't know where to land. That's fair. I wonder if I would have liked it more if you didn't tell me how much you hated it along the way.
1: <laughs> Maybe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I... Poisoned your mind.
0: I actually mostly wanted to learn about the author after reading this. Like, I'm very curious about her. I would love to listen to her give an interview about this book.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Cool. Very uh, 4.9. I'm going to stick with it.
1: Very 4.9.
0: You said two, <laughs> so <laughs> an average rating of 3.45. <laughs>
1: what do we got on Goodreads?
0: Um, well, Audible, we have 4.5 out of 5.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: And then Goodreads is 4.3 out of 5. I mean, this is a generally liked book. This is why I feel like I want to read some more about it. And this is what I do after a movie that I'm kind of like confused on an ending or a a TV series or something. I'll like read some articles that explain something or goes into it or reiterates it in a different way to kind of be like, oh, okay, okay, Yeah, I could see why they did that. All right. I like it now.
1: 4.33 on Goodreads. Is
0: it time for bad reads? Oh, I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, this book was very popular. There's so many reviews. There's over 150,000 ratings on this book, but over 1,000 of those are one star. And here we go. This is is Donna's one star review. Donna. I wish I could understand why so many people liked this book. I hated every minute of it. I soldiered on since the ratings were so high thinking I'd find that moment of understanding. Nope. (laughs) Life is too short to read terrible books.
0: Wait, was that written by you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Donna.
1: Donna, one star. Uh, Zaynep's review, one star, awful. That's the whole review.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for helping me figure out if I should read this book or not.
1: Mia's review, if zero stars was an option, I'd choose that. I literally have not read a book I hated as much as this one in a long time. Horrendous.
0: Damn, some real haters out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the problem was finding bad reviews that were like not super long and also descriptive or funny. Mostly people are just like, "Yeah, I really didn't like this."
0: Oh my gosh.
1: But we'll go with this this last one. Ethan rated it 1 star and said, "This book was 401 pages too long."
0: <laughs> and it was um
1: It was 401 pages. There you have it. Bad reads.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it like that. I wouldn't read it again, and I don't think I'd be like, read it. Yeah, Same. It's my least favorite that we've done, because I've liked everything else.
1: And yet, you rated it higher than The Troop. What are you doing?
0: Okay, okay, you're right. See, this is the thing. I don't know. No, it had more going on than The Troop. Ah, I don't know what to do. I've been waffling for days since I finished it yesterday.
1: Nope, it's too late. You already <laughs> locked in your 4.9.
0: 4.9. The troop was very specific type of thing going on. It's true, and I'm appreciating the diversity and inclusivity and interesting storytelling. I liked how I liked how they did the timelines. I thought that they did a good job showing you the past and the present, and like almost side by side, but not like you could follow it. Sometimes the time jumps are hard to follow. <laughs>
1: I feel like I feel like I feel like you could follow it. Is such a low bar? <laughs> uh, this book made coherent sense.
0: I was not confused, <laughs> <laughs> except for at Friendship Town for a little bit. I was like, "Wait, what is happening? Is she in a game? Games aren't like this." But what is happening? It must be a game. Uh,
1: Fuck. Yeah. What are we gonna do next time?
0: Okay. I'm I'm not bringing anything new to the table because we've brought so many things to the table that I feel like we could pick from. Okay. And I don't know, like, is it time to go back to the Colleen Hoover podcast?
1: (laughs) Should we read more Coho?
0: Coho, is this what her avid fan base calls her? Coho? Oh
1: yeah yeah yeah. There's yeah there's definitely Coho Po.
0: (laughs) the the calling hoover podcast i think it works coho (laughs) polka
1: let's do it let's go back
0: i am a little more interested in doing verity like romance thriller the description said a standalone romantic thriller that is tragic creepy and brilliant one standalone does is that how you say no
1: sequels? <laughs> yeah, no no sequels yet. Yet. Let's just do it. I'm sure people will be sad that we're not going back to It Starts With Us yet. But don't worry. We will. We have to know.
0: We promise. We have to know how it starts. We have to know about that Atlas. <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> um, but Verity like, feels like a vibe change if this is like a crime thing, right?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's just go with that.
0: Maybe I'll um be satisfied by a book. I wonder what book I'll really like.
1: Maybe this will be our first 7-star book.
0: <laughs> I doubt that. Do we will we ever get 7 stars? Maybe. We kind of started high. Like everything's like in the 5 range except for you with the 2 over here for tomorrow tomorrow and tomorrow.
1: I did not like it.
0: I know. It was corny, cornball, cliché. But nice sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm so fucking on the fence with it. All right.
1: Everyone can just see our cool brains at work today.
0: Yeah, this episode featured so much cool braining that I don't even think we need to to bring up our cool brains. You really got to see them today. I think you get to see them most of the time, to be fair.
1: That's probably true.
0: But today felt extra. I don't know. Maybe it was the things I listed at the beginning where I didn't like sleep enough.
1: Just on a fucking cheese and potato high.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I have a question for you. Yes. If you were going to build a video game, have you ever thought of this? Like what kind of video game would you build?
1: This is so funny that this came immediately to mind. Like somehow I was going through my journal. Like I have like a journaling app that I use very sporadically because of my cool brain. One of the interesting things about it is it has like a on this day feature where it will like resurface like old journal entries. Mm -hmm. And I used to also keep like ideas for projects in the journal and one came up really recently and okay. So you know, the games that are like idle clicker games, like you're just sort of trying to like make the numbers go up, whether you're like, you know, Mm -hmm. tapping to like feed the animal cookies and then it grows and then you or whatever. But I wanted to make a, clicker game like an idle clicker game but the concept of the game and I don't know what I meant by this exactly (laughs) but what I wrote was clone the president (laughs) (laughs) I love it that's my game clone the president idle clicker game beautiful yeah
0: I think I would probably do something nostalgic like Sam did to get Sadie's attention and like bring back the Oregon Trail or something from my youth that like I really enjoyed.
1: I totally get that.
0: Like bring it back, but better. Yeah.
1: I've, I've played a couple games like that that are actually like specifically nostalgic for Oregon Trail that uh, that are totally fun. And they push those nostalgia buttons. Um, one of them is called Oregon Trail. And it is almost totally a ripoff of Oregon Trail, but with zombies.
0: I was like, okay, it's not the state because of how he said it. What is it? Is it a piano? No. <laughs> is it a music game? No. Nope. Is it an organ? <laughs> it's, not, it's not
1: about playing the organ in the church choir.
0: That's amazing.
1: And then there's another one that I love. And actually, Bob loves it too. He, he plays it a lot. But it's called Death Road to Canada. Okay, And it's like a post-apocalyptic, like you're trying to like travel from wherever you are up to Canada because you heard that Canada is safe. That one's really fun.
0: Handmaid's Tale vibes, like you got to get to Canada?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I worked in mobile gaming and not that I'm an avid mobile gamer by any means. I pretty much just played our game and maybe our other studios games or competitors games or like a really stupid uh, blockscapes game which is like Tetris meets Sudoku with blocks if you will that's really nice and relaxing
1: yeah 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 I know that game
0: but you know a lot of the games that I came across in like ads or whatever or did see I'm sure something nice exists out there but I thought about how nice it would be to build a game that's like kind of like geared towards women, but not so obviously like it doesn't have to be like pink and frilly. It can be like an awesome game for women. That's not like do a makeover. Right.
1: Yeah. That's not like Kim Kim Kardashian's Hollywood makeover where. He, yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. So stupid. I mean, I'm if you like that, that's cool. Is it cool? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, But yeah, so I think I'm going to go buy a PlayStation and play The Last of Us so that I know what's happening in the show. It's beautiful. The show. That makeup is so good. Yeah. I've never played PlayStation. You know, we did like Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. My brothers had Xboxes, I guess. And I didn't give a shit. Nintendo 64 was my shit. That was where I stopped. I mean- I would actually love to buy a Nintendo 64, and I don't want a Switch. I've tried to play Mario on the Switch. It's not the fucking same. I want Super Mario. I want Mario Kart. I want it on the freaking Nintendo Nintendo 64. 64.
1: I get that you just said no thank you to the Switch, but the new Super Mario Odyssey game on the Switch is very fun. Like, and has, to me, it has like big. Super Mario World vibes, but is, like, slightly updated, Mm. and it looks great, and it's very cool. Also, like, you know, I have a 12-year-old son. We have all this stuff. Yeah. So you can always, like, come over and play them, and then be like, oh, I do need one of these, or, oh, this is fine, I got my fill of this, instead of spending... hundreds of dollars trying to decide whether or not this is for you
0: no this is how we adh doers do our fixations we buy all the things and then don't do anything with them i
1: know and i'm trying i'm trying to rescue you
0: (laughs) all right actually i would love to have a game night that sounds really fun (laughs) perfect all right well i think that was the pod
1: i think this was a podcast
0: Next book is Verity by Coho, (laughs) the Coho Poco.
1: (laughs) We'll see you next time. We don't have a sign off again. We still don't. What did we say last time? It was like it was something I want to say howdy partners, but that's not right because that's.
0: Oh, I think I did another podcaster persona.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You turned into Cowboy Ashley.
0: Oh, there were some cowboys in this, wasn't there? Were there? I don't know. I don't know. Well, firstly, lastly. Finally. Thank you to the last skeptic for music and we'll see y'all on the flip side. No. Peace
1: out. Peace out. <laughs>